coming to you from the WJRH studios at Lafayette College in beautiful Eastern Pennsylvania. This is Various Breads and Butters. So, The Maze Runner was on TV, and I watched it because I wanted to watch it, and the reason I wanted Re- to watch it... That's... Well... Okay, I'm sorry, go on. It's, it's a young adult fiction. Uh, Michelle and Claire, was it like in... They're young adults? Yeah, you're, you were young adults at the time the books, books were out. Was that like your time? Um, I don't remember any of it. I do not know what the Maze Runner is, don't know what the movie is. Okay, so I wanted to, I wanted to watch it because I like mazes. And so I figured, <laughs> why not, you know, why not watch this movie? And um, Is the hook that mazes are hard enough even if you had to walk through it? So can you imagine? I always name? got the Maze Runner mixed up with the Kite Runner. Yeah, but they're you... totally different words. No, I know, but I... But, <laughs> like very I, but I never... I... But the runner word is the same. <laughs> That's true. And I, I will tell you this. There is There are mazes and there are runners in the first movie. But after the first movie, there's no more mazes. What about Run, Lola, Run? And there are three movies in this. There's the Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, which is the second, and then the Maze Runner, The Death Cure, which I was in the middle of watching when you came to pick me up today. Um, but the so Scorch you Trial doesn't have any it. mazes. Unless, I just re- I just realized this, maybe it's the maze that exists within each of us. <laughs> did you, did, you didn't read the books, is what you're saying. Oh, wait, who am I oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> who am I talking to? Oh yeah. Well, so, actually, those might be books I'd read because they would have glossies in the middle of pictures from the actual film. So there's no maze at all in the first one. No, there is a maze in the first one. There definitely is. a maze Is he in the running one. in it? Yes. There, I, not just him. Is it a hedge maze or? No, it's like a concrete maze. Who made the maze? Uh, Does this, he have to? Is it an escape kind of thing? I don't want to give spoilers to people who might want to okay. watch it. What, uh, I watched the Marathon Man. That's also running. That's a uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Um, That's that. Isn't that kind of kind of creepy? Well, it is. It's. I did not think it was very good, although it's kind of a revered movie. Is it? And I, the whole marathon element, like there are many points. Like it starts and he's r- like timing himself and running. Sure. But there's never a marathon in the movie, and there's the whole thing builds up to one scene late in the film where he has to run away from someone. Huh. Even then, you're like, oh, this is what the whole setup was. Like he, that guy will never catch him because he's been training and is running this whole time. Wow. Even then, he barely gets away. And when he gets away, it's not because he was faster. Huh. And the guy who's chasing him just got like regular like. Worker shoes. It's not even like running shoes. Worker shoes. I don't know, like loafers. <laughs> Uggs. <laughs> it just didn't make any sense. This is. I, I went on about this on Twitter too. Sure, like, sure. Of of the long list of of movies that are terrible representatives of the historical profession of what historians do. Mm-hmm. Like this one, he's a graduate student in history. Ugh. And, and it's at Columbia, and I love that it starts where he, he's late to a seminar, and there's only three others in there. Mm. So he's the fourth one in the four person seminar, and the professor's like, you know. Out of 200 applicants, I only took four students. You know, it, I'm like really, two. First of all, people yeah. are applying to your graduate seminar, this and is, you have 200 graduate students, and you're choosing not what the. This is this is actually a, a thing, and I think maybe we talked about it on the show before, but a- academics is never portrayed accurately <laughs> in the movies. This was just the worst one. Like one one of well, the five year engagement which came out it portrayed um, graduate school was in psychology. Jason Siegel? Yeah, Jason Siegel. Um, I forget who else, but. It was seems like it had Paul Rudd in it. It was just such a bad representation of <laughs> academics. Um, you know, it was just like, you know, this person applied to do a master's at University of Michigan, and you know, got their That's packet. Where Jim in, went. Yeah, got their packet in the mail 
of just saying, hey, you've been accepted. That's not how, I don't know, that's not how graduate school works. Right. That's not, it's not the same as going to regular college. But I guess if you're a writer and you've only been to, you know, to, to, to college, then you assume, well, that's how it must work all the way up. Just ask It dude. does not. Yeah. Do some research. You could, you could ask someone. They could pay you $25 and you would say, just let me, let me tell you how it works. <laughs> right. It would like take you five minutes with them. Well, the, um, spoiler alerts, this is a 43-year-old movie, so maybe it's okay now. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> he... Uh, yeah, that people have the whole a chance thing to watch the marathon, man. Graduate student in history. Mm-hmm. He's lucky to be one of four people who's accepted into a seminar. Apparently, mm-hmm. he just started graduate school, but he's explaining to the professor what his dissertation is going to be about yeah. and all the work that he's already done. Mm-hmm. He ends up uh, fighting off uh, gem thieves who are connected to some, some like lingering Nazi cabal uh, residual from the war. It's only been thirty years since World War Did II. Did you do at this that point. in graduate school? I was about to. Okay, but I got caught up in some of the you know some seminars. Some you were seminars for. I was trying to study for and mm-hmm. do the reading. I had comps and sure. everything. Oh yeah, it was a it was a tough road. I, I can imagine. It's just I don't know. I think at the end of the day, the whole marathon man aspect of it mm-hmm. was just as baffling. Like he didn't even run a marathon. Well, I think they were going for the alliteration, <laughs> and they just said it'll work itself out. The plot will work itself out. Yeah, and I was hoping maybe there's just going to be a... Like, I also... We just watched Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. And um, it's towards the end where when he gets to the camp that, that Colonel Kurtz is at, that mm-hmm. they, they painted Apocalypse Now, our motto, Apocalypse Now. It's like, ooh, that's the name of the movie. That's the name of the movie. Like, when you see the name of the movie in the movie, like, oh, I got it. Or like when uh, you hear the title of a song in the song, like, that's it, if it's not the main hook. I just want to let the listeners know that I read The Heart of Darkness. <laughs> really? I did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, you know. So I thought Marathon Man, there would sure. be something where they like, that was the name of something or he was known as that. Mm-hmm. And you would come upon it and that would make sense. Like, oh, that's why it's called that. Never, didn't happen. They didn't have a t-shirt or anything saying Marathon Man? No. Hmm. That would yeah. help. That reminds me too, like I was thinking, I was going to offer some unsolicited advice on how uh, to plan ahead for when you're old or when you know that you're old. Mm-hmm. Because the, I think this is a common question. Like, how do you know when you're old and what does it mean to be old? Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a pretty surefire way to know. Yeah. If you go around in the car or you're walking and you just say out loud things that you see written. Like yeah, you just yeah. read signs. Oh, that's me. Like, who's that for? Yeah. Like, I caught myself doing this. Like, we're just driving down the road. I'm like, oh, 50 cents off. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, like, what? I think we're both at that. <laughs> Maybe it's a 40-year-old thing. I don't know. But. I don't know. Like, oh, barbecue place. Yeah, are, we, are we just practicing? I just, just speaking things. Yeah. Car wash. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just keep going? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, there there is a theory of aging that um, you start losing inhibition. Maybe uh, you are unable to inhibit your <laughs> reading of things that you see. You know, reading is an automatic response. Right. So, Am I going to start like, I can't read silently, I have to move my lips? Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> that's big that's coming up. Big time. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. I, I have nothing more about the Maze Runner, by the way. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of running. So should I, should I do uh, the, the whole coming to you from the WJRH studios at yeah, Lafayette like College that. in Eastern Pennsylvania? Right. This is Various Breads and Butters with Ben Brickhouse-Cohen and me, Simon Portmantone. Out in the studio, we have our interns. We've got... Uh, Claire Swansong Swanson. We've got Ben, the fourth BG. Uh, uh, wait, Gordon. Jeez, Ben. And we've got our producer, Michelle Hyphen Poulton Simon, in the studio today for episode 128. We have Professor in the English Department, 
at Lafayette College in our studio today. Very right special guest, Lee Upton. Lee, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Oh, I'm so <laughs> Thank glad. Thank you for coming. Let's play. Let's play the, the game. Okay, so first, before we yeah, start, before we start, this is the smash hit. People love it. Oh man, so much feedback. This is this is a second. Ben, show you didn't in get to do this last time. No, I didn't. All right, we're gonna do. I have we have a couple versions. So this is the how long is it game. How long is it? Yep, it's an icebreaker for the episode to get people into it. Let's get it. How long is it? Okay. Okay. Uh, and as Simon pointed out, and Ben again, he had no comment. Like no, you have no no concerns. No concerns. It all makes sense. Yeah. Okay. How long is it? Uh, question one. Yeah. How many lines? Is the Canterbury Tales? How many lines? How long is it? How, How many, many lines? lines? Now, now, so that's so, a literary question. Yeah, pseudo poetic. Yeah, I yeah. Guess. We've got we've, we we've, a got, po- we've got a real life poet See, in the studio. I tailored it to the. So guests. what I don't know is that how many. We're, it, oh, by the way, yeah, it's Price is Right style. Uh-huh. So we're all going to bid. Simon will go first, and then all the interns, and you can bid. Uh-huh. And it's whoever's closest without going over. Without going over. How many lines? Is it one of these like, oh, that's a real long one? Or is it, that's actually a real short one. People don't know how short it is. So I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm going to go with you twi- one? You know, 25 lines. 25, 25 lines. lines. What do you think, uh, what do you think, Ben? 25 lines. Can I don't say 26. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mm. offer a tip. Yeah. Um, don't think that it's really short. Oh, man, that's not that's no, not but no, but I, I assume that there w- there weren't a lot of carriage <laughs> returns, so they just keep going, <laughs> and then so that's I'm st- I'm sticking with twenty five. What do you think, Ben? Uh, this, I mean, I have really zero context on mm-hmm. um, how many lines it would be, so I'm going to go way over. I'm going to say fifty. Fifty. Wow, that's way over. Mm. Well, he doubled me. Oh uh, my gosh, Claire, what do we think? Uh, I mean, clue. like I I know Can that I, it's. Quite long. Yeah, I want to give you a that. clue, Claire. Okay. Start thinking in terms of orders of magnitude beyond <laughs> the original guess. Yeah, I was going to say something guesses. like 15,000. Wow. That's a lot of lines. It's a lot of li- it's a lot of stories. It's a lot to transcribe. Oh, there are okay. tales. You said yeah. tales. The Canterbury Tales. Oh, yeah. I thought it was... I think I... Yeah, okay. Uh, what do you think, Michelle? I'm going to go one higher than Claire. <laughs> one higher. 25,001. Was that 25,000, did you say? 15,001. 15, Lee, Lee, what, what do you, you got? Oh gosh, I should. I, I years and years ago, I, I taught parts of it, but I, I twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Come on. So now the whole twenty-five seems really silly at this point. Yes, yeah, it, it does. does. Okay, yeah. okay. I just want to make sure silly. everybody knows that. It's pretty silly. Maybe I should it's read been the Canterbury Tales. Unless you were, unless it was like the last bit, and you were trying to undercut everybody. But um, Michelle is the winner. It's up close to 17,000. 17,000. Oh. Okay, Michelle, would you have said 15,001 if I hadn't said 15,000? Yeah, it really doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> they no. never no. get a chance. No. They run up on the stage so quickly on Prices Right that they never get to argue with the person who they just overbid by mm-hmm. $1. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. So you can't do that here. Okay. I have another one, and this is, uh, this is for Simon's benefit. Oh, sweet. How many maze runners are there? Three. How many years has it been since the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup? And oh. Simon has to answer last this one. Okay, I'll answer last. Wait, d- are how you many years? This year? I don't know. How right, many okay. years since the since the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup? Okie dokie. Starting with Ben. Um, I, th- I, I'm gonna say fifty. Oh, fifty. Mm-hmm. Claire, you're gonna say seventeen thousand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no idea. Uh, I'll say forty. Okay, what do you think, Michelle? I'm going to go 20. 20? What do you, what do you have? Your hockey? Uh, 15. 15. What, what thank you, you for that. Um, <laughs> it, uh, I, that well, was nice. The, uh, they last won in 1967, so it's been 51 or 52 if you count this year. Yeah, Simon wins. 51, wow. yeah. It's whoever, I think whoever said 50. Ben, did you say 50? You said I did. Well done, Ben. That's pretty good. I think Ben should get partial credit. I think he should. 
Okay. All right, I'll do. We'll do one more. One How more. long is it? The longest winning streak for the Nobel Prize in literature. The longest winning streak. Who's got the longest winning streak? Oh, so like they won two years in a row, yeah, maybe? Or how many years in a row? And who has it? Well, well, that'll be the secondary one, but the longest winning streak. Oh, how long was the longest how long? winning streak? Jeez, that's, that's quite a thing to put on your resume. Um, I'm gonna, I can't imagine it would be more than two years. So I'm gonna say two years. <laughs> okay, it's the longest winning streak. What do you think, Ben? Um, just to be different, I have to say. I have to go over, but I'm I'm gonna go way over. I'm gonna say five years. Five years, Ben. Oh, who, who's? What a great literature person got five <laughs> years in a they row. They call them writers. Writers too. Is that what they call them? Um, what do you think, Claire? Five years is the going rate. You could uh, also say three. I'll say four years. Four years, Michelle. I'll say wait. Streak is in consecutive years, correct? Yeah, consecutive yes. years. I'm gonna go with one year. One year. That's a that's a bold prediction. So no streaks in a in a sense. Why not? Okay, well, Lee. Do you do you have a sense of this? Two. Two years. The show got it. Nobody's ever won more. Than Nobody's that. ever won. <laughs> Who's gonna write a novel like two years in a row? That's the greatest novel in the world. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. well, it's it's a a I'm pretty sure they've just decided that they're not gonna give it. That's to the true. Yeah. They can do that as well. What um what uh what can you win the Nobel Prize in Literature for? It's not just novels, right? Or is it? Short stories, Short poetry. Stories. Okay. Yeah. Song lyrics, can't you? Oh, Bob Dylan, oh, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. Oh, he he wrote a lot of songs yeah. in one year. Yeah. Why couldn't he win two years in a row? But he did, it was more of a lifetime achievement thing than a, like, this specific year you've excelled, therefore we will give you the prize this year. Yeah. They probably just listened to his greatest hits album. Okay, okay Lee. We're now gonna, we can get back into We're going to get back into it. So ice is broken. We're going to start talking about you. So usually we ask about how you got the journey question. The journey question. How you got here. Why are you acting not, like it's not the journey question? It is a journey question. <laughs> I know, but you're like coming up with synonyms or working your way around it. Yeah, because I'm trying I'm trying to be I'm trying to be more like uh, Don't don't mix it up at this okay, point. Okay, I'm not gonna mix it up. Um so how did you get here? Where did you start? Where uh, where were you born? What city? Okay, I was um, born in mid Michigan. I was born on a <laughs> so it's the, like the farmer's daughter. Mm -hmm. I was uh, the, the daughter of a farmer okay. and a hospital cook, one of four children. And uh I went to Michigan State University. I worked my way through college. I uh, did all sorts of odd jobs, at, uh, survey taking, so I'm still alive, which is very surprising. I wasn't killed <laughs> along the way, uh, dishwashing. I did a survey. It was for a company that was, um, you know, wanted to know if the area needed more housing, more affordable oh, okay. housing. So what? I'd go door to door to door to door. Yeah. Wow. I had to do so many surveys every day. I thought geological survey, right, when you said that. Was yeah. that was she out there like, staking out <laughs> soil samples? But so you did that to to, to pay your way. Pay through for college. my way through college, oh, okay. and I mean, I had a lot of jobs. I did uh, dishwashing. Worked at a credit agency, which was the worst job. Uh, I mean, I was up to about four cups of coffee to stay awake during the day. Wow. So I did my undergraduate degree in journalism, mm -hmm. but uh, eventually uh, I worked for the state newspaper in okay. Mid Michigan and the Lansing oh, State Journal. Do, do the hand thing, like where in Michigan were you? Yeah, <laughs> it's right in the middle of the the middle of the middle of the middle. Fertile farm soil. Okay. And then I um 
Uh, but I got very, very lucky because I started when I was an undergraduate working for a newspaper, mm-hmm. and I wasn't on staff. I was a freelance writer, but that meant that every story I did, I got paid for. Okay. And uh, the first editor I worked for paid me very, very little per story. Then I owe so much to another editor who got hired, and he started paying me more per story. So that okay. was terrific. So I was able to give up. I had a full-time job plus that, plus I was going to school at night, which wow. meant another reason. And this is surprising I'm in that debt. I used to have a hitchhike to school. What? So anyway, <laughs> this was bad. Wait, I just want to tell that. the students out there, don't hitchhike don't to do school. This, don't do anything. Yeah, you're mostly living on campus anyway, so just <laughs> walk to school. Jesus, you can enjoy the residential yeah. college. But from, from there, then I went on to um, uh, the University of Massachusetts at Amherst and got an MFA. Then I uh, taught in Asia for a year. Then I went on and got a traditional PhD. Now, at, where did you teach in Asia? I taught on, in, on military bases in Okinawa. and in the Philippines and then from there I went and got a traditional PhD in in, uh, English literature at uh, SUNY Binghamton which is now Binghamton University and uh, from there I came here yeah. And I was here on a visiting, here at Lafayette College, I was on a visiting line, and then I left because oh, I had you? no job security. Okay. But then a line opened in my area, and I reapplied, and they hired me. And what, what year was that that you get here? It was, I think it would be 1988. Yeah, okay. yes, it was so long ago. Well, yeah, you know. yeah. Were you, um, a couple questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, is that, was that just a common job? Like, how do you get a job on military bases in Philippines and Okinawa? Uh, well, what it is, it was through University of Maryland, and they get, uh, you know, uh, American professors or instructors. Mm-hmm. And so I went there for that year. And uh, mm-hmm. so it was really, uh, really an interesting period to work with. Sometimes you were working with spouses or you were working with uh, local people in there. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it was mainly teaching at night. So you mm-hmm. taught for... Uh, three or four nights a week, and then you had your, your weekends free to travel. And how did you how did you like being out of the country for so for such an extended period of time? Uh, it was wonderful. I yeah. felt very very privileged to be able to do that. Uh, it was very difficult. Reentry is difficult for anyone when you're out of the country, and then sure. you, you come back in, mm-hmm. and you know and you know applying for jobs and yeah. all and stuff. And then you know later I'd go on to my for my doctorate, and mm-hmm. then you know was hired right after the doctorate. Were, were you um, always interested in writing, even as a child? <laughs> Yes, I knew very, very early, early in childhood when I was, um, I knew partly because uh, uh, I had undiagnosed eye problems. I had very bad eyesight. Mm. I still do, uh, but it wasn't known. I went to a rural school, mm-hmm. and but that meant, because I had such astigmatism and, and nearsightedness, that I didn't know what was wrong. I couldn't really see the blackboard, mm-hmm. but I could see what was right in front of me. So the world of the book, the page, was just my whole world. Yeah. So I learned to move into, into that world and to become just a, a kind of obsessive reader, and from that, an obsessive writer in now, some ways. What drew you into reading? Who who were some of your favorite, um, uh, some of your favorite books? As you know, it's just starting out as, yeah. as a child. I I read a. Uh not I didn't read early. Okay. I got to about first grade. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that was very lucky about my mother started working full time when I was uh, five, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the way that I could be taken care of all day was to put me in the local Catholic school, which is about they had to go to court to get me into the school because we were we weren't really quite in the district okay. at first, and uh, but that meant I could be put into first grade when I was still five. Mm -hmm. And so I remember getting in and not knowing the alphabet. You know, it was all arrayed around the 
you know, the walls mm-hmm. and hearing the other children sing the alphabet song and then um, just being thought of as very slow in wow. some ways and being in kind of a reading group. Uh, and They then, could only see you now. <laughs> I don't know if they want to. <laughs> Maybe they'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but then, you know, I, I really found it, you know, so so wonderful. And then um, because I, I, really, I really read way ahead. I think sometimes it's really useful for young people to read way ahead of their capabilities. Okay. So I read, uh, you know, my mother tells a story. You know, she bought me some Shakespeare. And mm-hmm. I read, I didn't know what I was doing, but I would act these out with a knife in the basement. Wow. She tells me it's really creepy. Okay. Like, what was I doing? <laughs> What play even, but um. How old? I I think I'd read a lot of. Uh, when I was eleven was when, wow. as particularly when I read a lot. But even when I was earlier than that, I used to think I was very interested in poetry. I thought uh, obviously living people didn't write it. Mm-hmm. Then only the dead sure. wrote this. Sure. Somehow I makes makes perfect yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. And um. And I, I actually even remember the moment when I kind of fell in love with poetry. I, there was a poem. I know, I know now it probably wasn't a very good poem. It was in one of our early readers. Uh, but I had had my feelings hurt, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. So I just focused in on the page in front of me. And I can remember telling myself to read as slowly as I could so that I wouldn't think about other things. And wow. that's a wonderful way to learn how to work with poetry because yeah. I read it so slowly that the final line really surprised me and it's as if you know everything became brighter and I've always wanted that kind of sense of enhancement or enlargement Mm -hmm. that poetry can offer partly through just that intense concentration that poetry offers and you said you don't remember that the poem I don't remember the name of the poem I remember what happened it was a trick poem it was a cheap trick poem because at the end I mean it actually you know not entirely a trick because it's very very sad Mm -hmm. but at the end, you realize that it was written in the voice of someone who could not see, who was oh, blind. Okay. And it was about how she saw without being sense. able to see other people's sons. It was a real trick. It's yeah, yeah, a, yeah. A children's poem that was a, a trick. Oh, yeah. But suddenly to be displaced from my usual mm-hmm. way of, yeah. of thinking about things was so startling that a poem could do that. I, I remember the first poem I ever wrote. Oh, do you, re- really do you actually sick. remember? I remember it. Oh. I came down the Stairs. I didn't tell anyone, but I was so excited. Uh, I, I have that was the first line of it. <laughs> this is this is the poem. Please, uh, you know this will live in uh, forever. Uh, I have a cat named Ebenezer. She's so sweet. I want. She's so sweet. I want to squeeze her, and Ebenezer and Squeezer to make a rhyme like that. Who would have thought? Who would have <laughs> thought? Nobody. So, so um, you know, I remember very much those those early years. And that, is your, that is your fortunate. first poem. Yeah, that's a scoop. Poem. That's got to be a scoop. Clay <laughs> right. Upton's very first poem. We're gonna poem. get some press for that. Yeah. We're gonna get some press for that. <laughs> right. Do you um, comparing it to my uh, uh, education about poems, which is mm-hmm. m- far more limited, more uh, limerick based? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, I it was. It, I was pretty deep into my life before I recognized that poems didn't have to rhyme. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that's yeah, what it meant to be a poem. Sure. If yeah, I saw something that rhymed, that that means it's a poem. Mm-hmm. Sure. And if something didn't rhyme, then that meant it wasn't a poem. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't be saying that out loud. Mm-hmm. I should have known that earlier on. But did yes. you, uh, how did you, did you know, th- how did you get past that? Did you realize that? Uh, well, I, um, how quickly did I you have learn all it? these origin stories <laughs> and they probably sound ridiculous. But uh, I, um, I, I had the same experience. I remember. Uh, not knowing much about poetry. I remember being an undergraduate, seeing a poster for 
a conference in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and for poetry. And I thought, oh, I've always liked poetry. You know, I, I wrote that great Ebenezer poem. Right, yeah, you know, Squeezer, you know. it's still writing that, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I took a bus and, um, you know, went to this. And I remember, you know, it was really a terrific festival years ago in Grand Rapids. And uh, there was the poet Robert Bly was there. And the last day of the festival, he said, if anyone wants to talk to me about their poetry, I'll be out on yonder hill. No. And my bus was due pretty soon, but um, I I went out and um, I showed him one of my poems, Mm -hmm. and uh, he said immortal words that were so helpful to me. He said, this could be so much worse. And wow. I loved, okay. I loved him for that <laughs> okay. because to me it meant it could be so much worse. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I like that. he just said, "Why don't you? Why don't you use your own voice? You have a particular way of speaking, as all human beings mm-hmm. do. Why don't you use the way you talk?" And and that was so helpful to me. Just that little readjustment, yeah. and you know, then I had picked up some books of poetry at the festival, mm-hmm. and from there, you know, I met friends. And I was a journalism undergraduate, but I, you know, took some poetry workshops and mm-hmm. all. And I was writing at the same time. I would write fiction as mm-hmm. well too. But but my pathway primarily, initially, was pre- principally through poetry. Were you in your fiction? Were you writing short stories, or had you written novels? What I had what I had written um, early on are kind of voice stories, which I think is a way a lot of people who work with poetry principally work. And I feel very lucky to have started with poetry and continue with poetry. I, I will never stop with that. But then over time to learn how to write fiction mm-hmm. as well too. But first it became you know, working with voice, trying to create a voice. Uh, and then it took me a long time to figure out how causal connections work. I mean, mm-hmm. there's lots of ways to write fiction. You don't have to have causally connected stories. But I wanted to work in that kind of vein where, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, even though sometimes, you know, unrealistic, seemingly non-agreed upon <laughs> realism you know, is is an underpinning of the story. At the same time, I wanted to think about causal connections mm-hmm. and uh, little things like getting a character from one city to another seemed pretty miraculous and difficult to me. I mean, I didn't realize at first. You just say in Cincinnati, yeah. you don't have to have the the, the flight, you know, <laughs> buckling in the seatbelt <laughs> or whatever, you know. So um, it took me a lot of time yeah. to learn sort of basic things about scenes, about suspense, sure. and all of that. But I think. I, I, I worked a long time, and I think once you work a long time with any kind of genre, a sort of template is established, sure. and then you're hooked. I think, I, th- I think there's this sort of false sense that if you're only a consumer of this type of literature, well, h- how hard can it be to, to, to know that? But then when you have to, like, do it, like, you realize you learn thought, things. Honestly, I thought you were going to say, can you hold off to later in the episode to tell us the secret to suspense? <laughs> oh, I should have said that. I thought that's where you were oh, going. I should have done that. Um, what, did, what was your dissertation about? Uh, my dissertation was about an American poet, Jean Garrigue, and she was a kind of missing link in some ways, um, a very ecstatic sort of poet. Um, she was d- deeply involved in Greenwich Village and, and with a lot of, a lot of other poets. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, She seemingly knew every, everyone, and it was really fascinating to uh, 
you know, deal with this sort of this sort of figure who was a kind of francophile. She loved the French mm-hmm. so much. Uh, she twentieth century. Twentieth century, yeah. And um, but I picked up her. I went to a library sale and books were down the final day to to five cents. Mm-hmm. And there was a back on the back of her posthumous volume called Studies for an Actress were blurbs by Robert Lowell and Marianne Moore, and I'd never heard of her. So I picked up the book among with some other books, and I remember, you know, after you know, before going to bed, I had the book next to me, and I'd pick it up, then I'd pick it up, and then I'd pick it up, and then I started realizing her voice is contagious. Mm. At the same time, it is so ornate and filigreed at a time when a lot of writers were very much, very, very direct Mm -hmm. in in some ways. And uh, so she was, you know, at a she had a kind of a different texture to the work. She was very important to John Ashbery, for instance, mm-hmm. but kind of someone very neglected in, in a way. So I worked on that book. Later I worked, the next critical book I worked on was on Louise Bogan, who was the opposite, who's very austere, who, who you know, had a very different uh, sense of what poetry could be. It was very much a formalist mm-hmm. uh, who didn't want these unscrolling, <laughs> you know, uh, almost, uh, you know, I- images that were so, you know, almost like Keach. They were so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, your teeth could ache from mm-hmm. her poems. Whereas with Bogan, of course, it's all restraint and control and 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 horror. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting to go from one to the other. They're they're almost antidotes to each mm-hmm. other. Now, when people write dissertations about you, what do you hope they will pick <laughs> up on in, in, in your in your career in your uh, writing? Um, when people, when I've been That's fortunate enough question. to have people write about my work, um, it's a little difficult because each book is quite different mm-hmm. from from the other books, and I, so I think it's hard to get a kind of a bead on the way on the way the work works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, early on, someone did a dissertation about my work and other writers' work in terms of process, mm-hmm. you know, how we write. Um, but I, I've always felt very, very, um, just very lucky, you know, when, when people would, would bother or when they write, <laughs> when they write reviews. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, the reviews, if you look at them, they're very different from book to book because I try to kind of reinvent what I'm doing oh, wow. with each book. Yeah. Uh, in terms of... Style, voice, genre. Uh, the works. I really, I really try to, and including with with fiction as well too. But I, probably for everyone else, it sounds like an echo chamber. <laughs> but to me, it seems like I'm doing something very different mm-hmm. each time, and even within each story. And I sometimes try to write within uh, different different conventions. I have another uh, collection of short stories that I'm putting together, and uh, I've noticed now that in some ways science fiction is entering or kind of dystopias are, are okay. entering into the work. And that's something I hadn't done certainly earlier. Yeah. What inspired you to, to bring in that stuff? Oh, I think um, partly uh, I, have a, I have a story. A lot of my stories in some ways draw up, they're in conversation mm-hmm. with myth or with uh, fairy tales or with commonly told stories or with, with the news. Uh, I think... Uh, do you know the story, The Emperor's New Clothes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I have a kind of dystopian story about a future where everyone has to be naked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Because then everyone's safe. You yeah, know, yeah, probably, yeah. you know, and it's, but it's also about surveillance. I've been interested in a while about privacy matters and mm-hmm. how we're all surveilled continually and the sense of the inner life being depleted mm-hmm. and um, the sense of, of outrage and righteous indignation you know, being so much a part of culture. Cul- 
culture, sometimes on trivializing matters. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, taking the emperor's new clothes, but having everyone have to be naked mm-hmm. except for the people in, in power yeah, who yeah, say yeah. they're naked. And one child says they're not naked. Yeah. And of course, she's arrested. But also intersecting that with that story is the way people use language. Yeah. And certain words are no longer allowed in the culture, but people don't know which words won't be allowed. For instance, I have a running joke in my house because every almost every day, I haven't so much usually, but I use the word egg. Mm-hmm. It just comes up even when I don't mean to, <laughs> the word it, sure, egg. Sure. And so in this culture, suddenly you can't use the word egg. Uh-huh. And um, at the uh, the parents are talking about their daughter who's been arrested, and um, one of them says, she, "Well, she was always the wrong ovoid," <laughs> and so it's that you know the sense of the void, but also the sense that if Jeez. if we try to control, if if those in authority try to control our language, they are controlling yeah. everything. Now this will this will surprise no one, but 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 this, the, the the description of your story you were telling reminded me of of Marvel. Black, no Black Mirror. Oh yeah, terrific. Ha- yeah. Have you had any of your stories optioned, or is there? Would, do, do you do you ever? Would you ever like to see I them would, on the screen? I would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I haven't had that happen. Mm-hmm. I've had, um, you know, you know, work used for performance, yeah. but I haven't had that. I would love that. That would be interesting. As, to especially, see, right? I think there's a novella I did that I think would work and yeah. you know, really visually. Yeah, well, we'll get our people on that. <laughs> right. If anyone's out there listening. Right. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that reminds me, uh, I wanted to ask too, like in your career, uh, what have the changes in publishing meant for your work? Or what changes in the publishing world have you seen? Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, the old gatekeepers, you know, so many of them have crumbled. And now all sorts of things can happen. You think of the, the writers whose, whose work goes out on YouTube and, you know, mm-hmm. remarkable things happen for them. And also, you know, who you're publisher is uh, is still important in terms of marketing but if people find the work you know everything's on Amazon or um, you know it can be ordered from an independent store so that has changed a lot there are certainly more writers you know there's uh, I think it's a more exciting time to be writing I know teaching about writing is so exciting because the old the old ways of thinking about writing, you know, and who is doing the writing have really changed. It's not, um, you know, the writing that gains respect. It's it's not one gender. It's, you know, not, you know, one, in the sense, denomination. I'm outside of this discussion, but aware of it, like the changes in the English departments in the structure and dominance of what kind of classes students are asking for. Like, hasn't it shifted more towards like creative writing classes as opposed to standard literature courses? Well, I think that our students need both. And I think what's happening is that in some ways the literature courses are using more creative writing techniques Mm. in some cases. And we, of course, are using techniques that we learn, you know, as people who studied literature. Mm -hmm. And also we, you know, more use a lot of work where students are in conversation with other writers in terms of what's written. I mean, you yeah. you know, in the sense of having a lot of, uh, of, you know, examples or models so people can push back against. I think, um, you know, getting students, part of it is just exposure, getting, getting students to see all the sorts of possibilities that are, are out there until, you know, it becomes a little like falling in love. You find a genre that you love, you write mm-hmm. what you read, and uh, 
but but sometimes it's been kind of a narrow channel. I know it certainly was for me. I wasn't aware of all the possibilities when I was an undergraduate. And so I think, you know, part of what we and our colleagues do, and we, we teach literature as well as creative writing mm-hmm. as well, of course, is to try to, you know, bring that together. In some ways, creative writing, you're looking at how uh, stories and poems and, 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 and plays and screenplays, they're written from the inside outward, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, that, of course, you know, has all sorts of tendrils that connect to supposedly outside issues. So there's no kind of pure line between the two writers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. What um, are you able to say at this point? Who your who are your favorite poets or favorite writers? Do you have a top? Oh, tier? I uh, have I have so many. Also, favorite uh, faculty administrators. If you want to throw that in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm very <laughs> fond of uh, the Swedish poet Nobel laureate, uh, mm. Tra- Thomas Tranströmer, mm. another Nobel laureate. Uh, this is Slava Szymborska. It's uh, oh, really wonderful. Isn't she incredible? Yeah. She's just been so important to me. Uh, Scottish poet Robin Robertson, who mm-hmm. I just I think know. really tight, immaculate poetry. Uh, every word, you know, you're sinking down into a deep well. Wow. You didn't expect what all could happen. It's really saturated work. Um, fiction writers, there are so many. I'm very, very fond of uh, Muriel Spark. A, a lot. Uh, I just think her book, Loitering with Intent, it's like a little uh, guidebook for how to write novels, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I just find her uh, brand of just very sparky, almost mean humor. <laughs> uh, now, okay, everybody knows I'm not the biggest reader. That's not a scoop. We know this. Are you inspired by any other media like? television movies anything like that are you do you watch anything or are you watching anything now that that either inspires you or that allows you to sort of just you want to know if she's more a Marvel or a DC? No, <laughs> I, want know, I want to know things yeah. about what, like, do you watch things on, you know, yeah, Netflix? Yeah, I, I watch a lot of escapist stuff, yeah, too, so but good you stuff. Watch? You know what I really, I've really loved and loved for, for many years mm-hmm. is, uh, I love Hitchcock. I love Hitchcock mm-hmm. movies, Vertigo. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, too, because, uh, you know, I remember, um, you know how when you know when you're a kid and mm-hmm. you you know you see parts of these movies yeah. you know but you don't see them right. in their entirety yeah. so when i see something like vertigo for instance or north by northwest they always have this shrapnel mm-hmm. <laughs> behind them of, of little bits and pieces from the past and then they kind of reassemble in interesting ways so i, I think i mean obviously such a genius mm-hmm. um i've watched the black mirror episode i've only watched one episode of okay. black mirror but uh it really bothered me Yes. And oh. other people say it's the dullest. How could that bother you? Which one? It's the one with the dog, the robotic dog. Oh, okay. That, I think that it was shot in black and white. And I think, you know, that sense of, you know, being hunted and not being able to escape, I mm-hmm. think is so much the, you know, with privacy and surveillance yeah. is so much the it's human haunted. condition right now. Lee, we like to ask all our guests. Yeah, all about all our musical changing musical preferences. I will reset the premise. Yes. We believe wholeheartedly, the whole staff, the whole team here, Mm -hmm. that the the ten year old question is is essentially uh, about like what your parents were listening to. You don't have as much agency in choosing your favorite music when you're ten. That's not always true. Mm -hmm. Some people have very emphatic views. But that's supposed to be like before you, you really come alive with your own choices, which we feel are, are uh, maybe at their widest mm-hmm. at age 20. And then they might narrow some to, 
a, a greater focal point at 30. I don't know if the pattern holds okay. in your case. But that's we'll a, see. That's a general trend across. But so at 10, now, you're, in, you're in the center of Michigan, right? In the yeah. middle of my hand. Simon, yeah. 10. For the audience, Simon was pointing to <laughs> his pointing palm. I was pointing in the center of my hand. Okay, so take yourself back there. What are you listening to? Well, I did not evolve because I still like it. You, do, you probably, do you know this song, Hang On, Sloopy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hang on, Sloopy, Sloopy, Sloopy hang, hang on. on. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, no one's going to put my Sloopy down. <laughs> I just, it's like, it's you, so You're very perfect. protective of Sloopy. I, we always What is that. that song about? Yeah, I, I don't know. know. She came from the bad part of town <laughs> and her dad something and no one's, and I guess her dad put Sloopy down, but I, I think the great thing is that name, Sloopy. It's just such I a know. great name. It's like Glug, you know? <laughs> right. There you go. But, yeah. we, need, we need some backstory on Sloopy. Yeah. That's your next yeah. project right yeah. there. Yes. Right. You're welcome. <laughs> That's great. Now, now, who, now who did who, who did that? that? Uh, the, I think it's the McCoys. Oh, wow. Yeah. It is the McCoys. Nicely and there is, done, Claire. Um, thank you. Or did you just know that? Um, <laughs> no, I looked that okay, up. Okay, good, good, good. But there's also a New York Times article that is titled, Who is Sloopy and What is She Hanging On To? Sounds Ooh. like good reading material. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> put, put in the show notes. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Don't worry, fans. We'll get a yeah. chance to we'll talk get more you about that. <laughs> Thank you, I thought Claire. it was going to be Bob Seger. Yeah. Wasn't he a Michigan person? Maybe at age 20. I wouldn't want to give away. No, age don't give it away. 20. But, you were, but weren't you in Massachusetts at age 20? Oh, right? oh so much for not Seager. yet. No, no, no yet. I'd okay. be, it'd be after, yeah, after I got out of college. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Right. So early 20s. So it's not yeah. Bob Seger. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so 20. What were you looking to at 20? Uh, probably Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. Yeah. yeah. He, he came up bad. last episode. He did. Two episodes uh, in a row. What? Yusuf. So, so, something man. Uh Okay. <laughs> or any specific albums, specific songs? Oh, I don't know about albums. I, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> let's, let's get it on. Trouble I mean, man. who doesn't love that? Yeah. That's a good song. Yeah, yeah. That's a good song. That did you like voice. that style of music, and then you came, and yeah. then you were drawn to him, or did you like that you know, specifically? Yeah, it was just you know among others. Also, I was listening to you know a lot of Billie Holiday then mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and I had a also something I still really love. I had um a friend. I used to have a lot of friends who were actors because in my um. When I was working my way through college, I what I worked for usually was the art and entertainment section. Okay, and um, so I knew a lot of actors, and I had an actor friend who uh, he was a Groucho Marx impersonator, and he was a lot in a lot of musical theater, and he loved Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. and he always talked to me about how wonderful Frank Sinatra was, and I still that I I, I still love Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Yeah. like the me and just, Jim Kowalski are not fans. Oh, really? Jim Grabowski is not a Jim. crooner. He, he doesn't like crooners. I have. Uh, it's been a I while, do, folks, wait. since when? I went on my anti-crooner rants. He's, really? not, he's not a crooner really? guy. Not a crooner fan. Wow. The sing talking. Hey, I'm talking, and it's on the microphone. That's not. Look how famous I am. Whoa, whoa, that he's whoa. never said that before. Now, at age thirty. Age thirty. Who wow. was good at what they did? Yeah, where are we? Where are we at thirty now? I guess. I guess I'm at thirty. Probably Sting. I maybe Ooh. Yeah, not the police, but Sting. The police Sting. No okay. yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sting's pretty good. Yeah. Is it Desert Rose? Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Any favorite Stings? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, don't stand so close to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. good. Anti stalker song. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reasonable. Yeah. How? Yeah. I, think I don't think people were listening to lyrics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I, I guess. I guess we could find out. Well, we will find out. Claire, uh, find out. We can find out after Thank the you. quiz. You guys want to do a quiz? Let's do a quiz. Is it quiz time? It's quiz time. Are you oh, ready? No. Now it's for, now I'm it's always quiz. so bad at those. Uh, I don't so. know. Usually, well, you, you'll bad, have the putative advantage. You will have the putative <laughs> advantage. So how this will work is uh, this is the real or not quiz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We will ask a series of questions, and, we'll have, and the answer is: Is this a real thing or not? In this case, are these real poetry? prizes or not. And just to remind listeners, these quizzes are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> As tweeted. As tweeted, yes. yes. Um, real or not poetry prizes. Okay. Simon's going to go first, then the interns, then Michelle, and then you get to answer last as a resident expert. Okay. The first one is the mic check question, oh, just gosh. to make sure everybody knows how I don't think I'm going to get this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry. Oh, okay. Number one, yeah. is that, this a real pro- prize or not? I think it is. That sounds reasonable. What do you think, uh, Ben? No. You don't think it is? Oh, cl- ben, ben doesn't understand Ben's the mic check mic question. Mic check shenanigans. What do you think, Claire? Yes. Yeah. Well, then, Michelle, what do you say? I say yes. Okay, Lee, what do you Lee? think? Yes. Okay, yes, it is. It is. Yes, it is. Okay. It is. Ben was wrong. Ben's ben was over wrong. one. All but so much for your perfect streak, Ben. <laughs> I only right. got it once. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one. Now the game starts. The game begins. The Emily Dickinson Award. The Emily Dickinson. Okay, I will confirm. Is this a poetry prize? She is a poet, was a poet, can confirm. <laughs> and she's aware of the situation. She is aware of the situation. Do we do we know whether there was a prize named after her? Is she, now is she seen as a as Talk a po- it through. Is she keep seen going. as a poet that people We're that other poets respect? We only have so much recording okay. tape. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no to that one. What do you think? What do you think, Ben? She is a poet. She's a poet. She is a poet. Yeah. So I'm is gonna say Claire? yeah. Okay. What do you think, Claire? Um, I'll say yes. Okay, Michelle. Claire with a yes. I'll go with yes. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Claire? Yes. Yes. And who in the studio has, oh, has won that award? Is it me? <laughs> did I win it? You did not. I did not win it, and it's not you. Guess Lee Upton, Lee? Professor Upton, Lee is the past Lee winner Lee of the uh, Emily Dickinson well award. Well done. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. No Was there a trophy? A belated thank you. With a belated congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Belated okay. congratulations. They need more championship belt trophies. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think that would be much better. Or cups, like Stanley sure. Cup version. Yeah. All right. The next one is the Ruth Lilly Poetry Prize. The Ruth Lilly Poetry the Prize. Ruth Lilly Poetry. Prize. What is he going for? Ruth Lily. Is that was that a character on Friday Night Lights? <laughs> um, was that did, Bojack? Did Ruth Lily play third base for the Baltimore Orioles in 1982? <laughs> um, I Cal Ripken uh, played third base for the Orioles in 1982. He's played shortstop. He moved to shortstop. Oh God. Um, yes, that wasn't until '83. Ruth, Ruth, the Ruth Lily Poetry <laughs> Prize is, re- is real. What do you think, Ben? No. No. What do you think, Claire? No. Michelle. No. Lee. Yes. It is. Yes, it is. Let me guess. That's from the Poetry Foundation. The Poetry Foundation. Is right. that is that a legit organization? Yes. yes. Okay, yes. good. <laughs> it it kind of sounds fake. I just want to throw that out there as for the Poetry a, Foundation. Listen, as a member of the Poem a Day email list uh, from Poetry Foundation, I think I have a pretty good understanding. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have, I'm a subscriber. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to up, re-up my subscription. Yeah, sure. All right, the next one is the Teddy Perkins Prize for Southern Gothic. The Teddy Perkins oh, Prize, for, Prize Southern for Southern Gothic. Gothic. Wow. The Teddy, the TPP for SG. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. As it is known. As it is known to the people in the know. That just sounds too specific. Right. There's, you're thinking of something. That's a BoJack not Horseman Ruth, reference. Not the Ruth Lily. That not was the Ruth Lily. Uh, what do you think, Ben? I, I'm going to say no. What do you think, Ben? <laughs> 
I'm whatever you're saying. I'm going to say the opposite. That. Okay, so that's yes. a yes for you. <laughs> what do you think, Claire? Uh, no. Okay, Michelle. Yeah, I think this is just a really specific gag. Okay, a gag, uh, not from <laughs> Ben, Michelle. What are you talking about? Oh, I know it's wild to think that this very, would be a joke. It's just so disrespectful towards Ben. What do you think, Lee? I'm going to say the, no. The TTP and <laughs> I can't believe you guys got it. It was a no. It was a no. Where did you get it from? I am still shook. You're talking about like the black and white Black Mirror episode or all these horrifying things. Uh-huh. None of you have seen the Teddy Perkins episode of Atlanta season two? Nope. I, it is oh. horrifying. Okay. It is just very frightening. It's it's a, a, a very effective, uh, it's like a 40-minute movie I guess compared so. to Get Out quite often. Oh, okay. And oh. it has Lakeith Stanfield, who's in both of those movies. So there you go. There's a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. Man, whew, it is a... But not a poetry prize. But no, but a very frightening episode of Atlanta. Got it. Wow. Highly okay. recommended. Okay, yeah, thank you. I'm on board as recommending Atlanta. Yeah, Nobody learned, here is watching Atlanta. We learned we learned something. Whew. Okay. I think the, the the confusion of Atlanta is it's marketed as a comedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is not. It is not a comedy. No. It's humorous. Sure. It has funny parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very, very smart. Yeah, yeah. But I would not call it a comedy. Yeah. So uh, I struggled at first to watch it, and then I kind of picked it up recognizing that I shouldn't expect comedy. Um, and man, it is a good show. Okay. Well, listeners will thank but, you. But uh, maybe skip that episode because sure. it's kind of freaking me out. Still. Okay. Now, the Bibby Barber Prize. The Bibby Barber Prize. That's B-I-B-I. Bibby Barber Prize. Bibby Barber Prize. The BBP. <laughs> He's going to do this every time. Bibby Barber. Bibby Barber. Bibby Barber. Um, no. No, it's not. No, it's not. I think that's a prize for haircutting. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Ben? Definitely a prize. Definite, but not for haircutting. What do you think, Claire? Uh, Yeah. Okay, Michelle. I'll go now. Leave? Yes. Of course. No. No? See, what it is, though, is they set you up because the episode before the Teddy Perkins one <laughs> is they got Paperboy is on this him, extended. Don't encourage him. It's very stressful, but it's not mm-hmm. horrifying. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, can't get out of the situation. He's trying to get his hair cut, and the barber keeps taking him to this other place and this other place. Maybe the barber. It is a barber. It is a barber. Yeah. It would be it a, barber a barber prize. Um, the Annie Award. The Annie Award. Oh. No, we have a couple more. <laughs> of course we do. Uh, the Annie Award. Sun will come out tomorrow. Award. For red-headed poets. For red-headed poets. <sighs> Curly the hair, Annie Award. No pupils. No pupils on, <laughs> on those poets. <laughs> as we all know. It's, um, it's a narrow range it's of not a lot of Not a lot of people are up for it, but I'm going to say, sure, why not? What do you think, Ben? <laughs> You're saying yes to this one? I'm so, Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, Claire, what do you think? Uh, no. No. Michelle? No. Lee? No. The Annie Awards? No. No, of course not. Come what on. Everybody knows that BoJack won the Annie Award for uh, animated feature. <laughs> BoJack so Horseman's bad. won that for animated features, so the Annie bad. Award. So bad. So bad. All right. How about the Maurice English Award? The Maurice English Award. See, it seems like English you would have because many poets are written in English. I think that's true. Is that is that can we confirm that? Yeah. Many poets, no, many poems are written in English. Um, Maurice English Award seems too on the nose. I'm going to say no. What do you think, Ben? You're saying no. I'm saying yes, no. So we know what you're saying. We know what you're saying. We've cracked. Yes. That. Okay. What do you think? We've cracked that code. What do you think, Claire? Because he told us. What was what? What was the name of the, the prize? Maurice the Eng- Maurice the English. Mo English Award. <laughs> Uh, as it's colloquially known, as it's colloquially the M E A. Yeah. Uh, no. 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 Of course not. What do you think? What do you think, Michelle? I'm gonna go no. Lee. Yes. 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 It is. It's so on the nose. <laughs> hey, this. I guess the guy's name. Do you know who's Maurice English? I don't know. Who no? he is. Okay, well, yeah. no. I forget what it's for. All right, last one. Last one. The TCA Award. 
the T C. What does that sound for? T or is, uh, it's T-E-A- just called T C A S E E. It's just listed as the T C A award. Then definitely not. No, they would have. They would not just list it as a T C A award. That's un. That's that's completely not poetic. Um, I'm gonna say no. What do you think, Ben? <laughs> Maurice English. Yes. Okay, Claire. No. All right, Michelle. Um, I'm gonna go no. Lee, TCA. No. TCA. No, TCA is the Television Critics Association. You know <laughs> who won that? Who? Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Could also be the Train Collectors Association. Thank you, oh, that would Michelle. Be Charles Fulton, best guest. Would yes, like that. I think he would. All right, that was the quiz. That was it. Uh, Wait, Lee, you won. You won oh. the quiz. Ben, you didn't. You, you and Simon boxed each other out. We did. Mm-hmm. That we did. was not your strongest quiz, but also <laughs> not your weakest quiz. Oh, no. I take that as high praise. Thank you for. Thank no, you for that. it's not high praise. It's, it's just that that, is... that dead and Canadian still stands as definitely simultaneously your best and worst quiz. Yeah. So yeah. good call. You're saying that uh, that quiz could have been worse, <laughs> but that you should have used a little bit of more your more your own voice in that quiz. Yes. Lee, I've got a question for I you. heard that Lee has prepared for this. It's a very important question. Oh, 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 okay. I need to know if you are a Friday person or if you're a Sunday person. Oh, Which gosh. One are you? I'm definitely a Friday person. You're definitely a Friday person. Sunday. How Why can anyone ask? be a Sunday right? person? But they're, are, they're out there. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're out there. Are we 100% We're, Friday people? They're among us. Ben yeah. and Claire, I forget where you are. Actually, your episode's coming up soon. Yeah. Don't answer yet. Um, so, so is it you just don't like Sunday because it means Monday's coming up, whereas Friday there's all the possibilities. The weekend can, is that is that a yeah, fair? Well, well fair? Friday you have the sense that you have a few days free from agreed upon reality, sure. and you have a sense of the life unspooling in mm-hmm. front of you. Mm-hmm. But Sunday, yeah. you wake up and you think. Monday yeah, is coming, and so I that's know, that yeah. anticipatory dread. And I think you catch it in childhood. You think, oh, oh Monday's cool. coming. I agree. Mean people on the horizon right. are coming after Ugh. you. And you know, know what? Can we just say on here, mean people are the worst. They are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get off the fence <laughs> on that. Definitely yeah. worse than you know. People. And if if you're mean listening to this podcast, I don't I don't, don't want you as a fan. Follow. No. Um, now, the follow up question: What do you think about black licorice? Oh, I don't like it. No, at of all. course not. I don't. Who would I like that? Know, but I love red licorice. That's fine. That's okay. That That's good. That's just to live for. Okay. Are you aware of the data? Uh, no, I'm the, not. The, 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 it's, it's Sunday data. people like black licorice more than Friday people, so you are confirming our data set. Yes, really? oh, you, are. you are. No, you're a really good answer. You're totally good. on the up and up yeah. here, Lee. Um, we don't have any uh, mailbag items today. We did not have time to get to the mailbag uh, today. We didn't. Okay. But if but you want to hear more of us if besides you want, this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at some later date. Yes, you can. Um, and you can um, also subscribe to us on iTunes um, or any place you get your Download, podcast. You can rate us. Yes, please do. But I think uh, I think that's all we have to say. Yeah, I guess that's Lee, it. Lee, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We we really loved having you here. Thank you, Lee. Um, Thank you. I've, I've lo- thank you all and everyone everyone in the studio. It's been a real pleasure. It's a labor of love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. All right, headphones on. Headphones on. Seems like yesterday we used to rock the show. I laced the track, you locked the flow. So far from hanging on the block the dough. Did you want to follow up on Liam's other point? Which was? Uh, um, he has a long-standing um, beef with breakfast foods. Oh, yes. I actually had a related point. So, uh, so, so wait, what is his beef? He doesn't think there is things should be called breakfast foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he thinks that's he thinks that it's a it's a it's a um, contrived category. Did this come up when he was on the show for the show past guest? Uh, I, I can't imagine it didn't. I mean, it is a contrived category, but uh, all aren't all categories contrived? 
Like why? Wait. If you're talking about line drawing, why this category, the contrivance of this one uh, is more off-putting than others. Well, I, I don't know. I guess I, I mean I guess you got to pick something. By the right? way, I'm in favor. I'm on, I'm on his side. Yeah, I'm on. I'm I'm totally on his side yeah. too. I like the idea that if one day I decide to get breakfast and you know I feel like having a cold slice of pizza for breakfast and people are like, oh, that's so gross. Like what? What is it about eating cake? which is essentially what pancakes are and waffles, or eating, you know, stuff that comes out of a chicken, which are eggs. Um, <laughs> like, like what, why why does that... I, I, I really think that, that folks Keep going with sometimes the, uh, don't... Yeah, that, folks don't think about, like, like their own sort of social constructs in terms of what Well, I was thinking of, like, the different breakfast. meats, like, which meats are okay, because people exactly. eat bacon, but, like, if there's, like... Like, I don't... Like, what about a roast steak, beef? It just seems disgusting. Yeah. When we were watching, like, the, bra- the Great British Bake Off, and they're doing breakfast foods or pastries, they just... They're jamming them with so much meat, and it just seems disgusting well, to if me. Well, if you go to other countries, you go to, if you go to Europe or, um, you know, any country in Europe, or you go to Japan or whatever, like, the breakfast foods they have there are wildly different than our, you know, sugar-filled Shocker. cereals. And, uh, and so, you know, you're sort of like... Not only is it some sort of just uh, contrived category, it's also contrived and sort of social well, like within a, you know uh domestic no there's a real social construct here yeah god a bunch of homo podcasters who podcasters uh, postmodern oh i thought you said homo, homo. <laughs> cut that out <laughs> you cut out what you well, thought i said well yeah because other people might have thought i, th- I thought you said Post that homo. i was going to call you out on that but, uh, so Michelle and Claire, I don't know how you feel about this, but I have a related concern, which is if you have the option for a sandwich to be toasted, it boggles my mind why we, you would choose not to have it toasted. Like if, if ever given the option, a sandwich that's just plain versus a sandwich that's toasted or made it like a panini press, even just toasting, it doesn't have to be pressed. Is, that, or, or is, is Quiznos now a sponsor? <laughs> I just don't understand why you wouldn't choose it. Because sometimes you want the soft bread. Like if I have a, if I have a, a, a delicious baguette, why would I want that toasted? Or like I wouldn't toast egg salad. Well, um, well I wouldn't eat egg salad. Okay, well. <laughs> That's a whole yeah, different I'm issue. Yeah, I'm with that. I don't know. If you have like a turkey sandwich, anything with cheese on it. Yeah. Oh, I, got, I, I, I like I like bread soft sometimes. Why does it have to be so so hard and toasty? I don't. I'm not just saying why it has why it has to be so hard and toasty. I just think the taste and the flavor is so much better. It boggles my mind that someone would choose not so to you, have a you better have sandwich. Like, you have like why a, would you choose not to have a better sandwich? You have a Second Avenue Deli corned beef on rye with some brown mustard, and you want the corn you want the rye toasted. Yeah, that'd be awesome. No, it wouldn't be. What about peanut butter and jelly? I, I don't yeah, know. Sure, you, why not? If but you've had toasted PB and J. Why on God's earth would you go back to regular PB and J? The bread dis- is so soft. Yeah, <laughs> we disagree. We disagree on this. Oh, I, listen! Don't tell me about bread being soft. Two of your kids have braces now, so <laughs> maybe maybe they need some soft bread. Maybe maybe uh, you're maybe, maybe, maybe you're not one. the foremost uh, authority on uh, dental issues. Do I don't know because <laughs> maybe, maybe their teeth got all crooked from eating hard <laughs> toast. <laughs> Sorry, kids. I didn't mean to bring them into this. I do like that it's 128 episodes before we finally get to the breads and butters discussion. Right? Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that how is... many kinds of breads should we talk about? Oh, God. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, have, I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm holding firm on this one. <laughs> wait, you're in firm on this one? <laughs> I am holding firm on this oh, one. Oh, you're holding firm on this one. And I'm going to wait until Liam weighs in. Oh. he, w- Liam doesn't have many opinions. <laughs> he won't weigh in on That's this. a fun insight, yeah, I know.
Delete it. Delete. Delete. There we go. I can just delete don't, it. Don't, don't record this.